Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. This is the Dasco Prayer School Part 4. This is Prayer School Part what? Part 4. We've done Prayer School 1, Prayer School 2, Prayer School 3, and Prayer School 4. And the dasko, like I taught you, is a verb in the Greek that means to indoctrinate, to teach. That's what the dasko means, to teach. It's from the word that the noun didache is, right? Which is doctrine. Hallelujah. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, Scripture says, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God which means all scripture is God-breathed. It says scriptures are given by God. It says, and scripture is profitable. For what? For didache, for doctrine. That is, we get doctrine from scriptures. What is doctrine? What we believe and teach. It says, for reproof. What is reproof? For evidence. Giving you a reason for what, for why we believe what we believe. We get that from where? From scriptures, right? It says, for correction. So, where do we get correction from? From scriptures. And so, if there is anything from the word of God, and it's accurate that it's from the word of God, then I should be corrected by it. My disposition is to receive the correction and not argue as long as it's from scriptures. Are you getting this? Next, he says, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto what? All good works. Well, indoctrination is gotten from scriptures. And all through this series, we've been learning about the importance of prayer. We've been learning about the importance of prayer. We've been learning about, you know, why we should pray. You know, in some of the teachings, we learned why pray. And we said, you know, as the saying goes, where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. And this is a saying by the late Miles Monroe, where we use that to understand that if you don't know why to pray in the first place, you probably would not be so gingered about praying. You know, you will not even know why to prioritize prayer, right? But when you learn about why you should pray, when you know the purpose of a thing, it would make more sense to you. You would prioritize and give more attention to prayer. We learned that prayer is an important part of a believer's spiritual growth. We learned that if we, if we perceive how long you are praying, what you are praying about, how frequently you are praying, we'll be able to tell how much you are growing. By considering how you prioritize prayer, we are able to tell how much you are growing. Because prayer... Is an important part of the believer's spiritual growth. A person cannot say he's growing in God and it is not evident in his prayer life. Are you getting this? We also learned how to pray, what to pray. We considered lessons from Jesus. We considered lessons from Elijah. We learned that prayer done fervently is prayer done rightly. 
we look through the scriptures where where he says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes what tremendous power available that is the heartfelt and active prayer of a righteous man is power producing it's what gets the job done we also learned about consecration in prayer where we considered the lord's prayer we looked at the importance where our priorities in prayer is to discern the will of God and not just come with needs and needs and needs and needs and needs like people always do. That prayer is more of a communication with God than putting requests forward. Prayer is a way by which you communicate with God. And in communicating with God, your priorities is first consecration. And many more we've learned. James chapter 1 and verse 22. James chapter 1 and verse 22. In James chapter 1 and verse 22, the Bible says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. He says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. And this is an instruction to every believer. Be doers of the word. There's a subtle tendency for us as believers to hear things over and over and over again and think we have been blessed and think it's been an effective sermon and yet it's not an effective sermon. Because we just amass so much knowledge and yet we're not seeing the effect of the words we're hearing in our lives. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, what marks an effective sermon from a preacher's point of view, from a preacher's perspective, right, is that the, 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 the teaching is delivered with simplicity and with power. Where the private consecration and the private prayer of the man of God met, matches perfectly his delivery with simplicity, with power, with eloquence, and with accuracy in the word. Are you getting this? That's from a preacher's perspective. But what marks an effective sermon from a listener's perspective goes beyond just how powerful the preacher delivers the sermon or how eloquent he was or the preacher's private personal time backed up with his public, you know, you know, uh, 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 boldness to preach the word. It goes beyond that. Because an effective sermon for the listener has an extra work that needs to be done to ensure that the seed that is planted by that word takes root and flourishes. This was what Jesus was trying to teach when he taught the parable of the sower. He was trying to teach that sometimes and many times the problem is not the seed. The seed might be viable, but the heart that received it might be the problem. What type of heart received the word? What work was done over the word? Was it planted, you know, on rocky soil? Or was it planted on good soil? And then the cares of the world came and choked it up. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you can hear the word of God on a Sunday evening or on a Thursday evening. And every other day of the week, what you are feeding yourself with is stifling the growth and the effectiveness of that word in your life. Are you getting what I'm saying? That because you don't do due diligence with the word, 
because you don't do due diligence with the word of God, you can stifle the effectiveness of the word in your life. So what marks an effective sermon is not just everything being checked out on the preacher's side. It's also everything being checked out on the listener's side. Are you getting what I'm saying? There has to be an extra effort to make sure that the word of God grows and flourishes in your heart. Part of that due diligence is revising your notes every time. It's contemplating and meditating on the word of God which you receive. If you've not learned to go over your notes, then you are not acting as a good Bible student. If you've not learned to review your notes and to revise it from time to time, you've not learned to be a good Bible student. That's why you have to fill your week with things that are edifying, things that will cause the word of God to grow in your heart. Your goal is not only to take your Sundays and your Thursdays and every other time catalyst meets for God. How about the other days? Don't you get it? If you give one day to God and every other day you give to the devil, who is winning? Do you understand what I'm talking about? This is important. And that's why every other day you have to do certain important things to cause the world to grow in your heart. You have to revise your notes. You have to have consistent devotion so that the devil does not only lose on Sunday, but he loses every day of the week. You have to revise your notes. You have to be consistent in that. You have to listen to sermons. This has to be your attitude to the word of God, that I will do my due diligence to make every word of God I hear effective in my life. This is your attitude to the word of God as a good Bible student. Because you can listen to every sermon I teach from now till the end of the year. But if you don't do this due diligence, it might not be as effective as it needs to be in your life. And the problem will not be that the word is not viable or powerful. The problem will be you. You've not learned to receive the word of God. One very important way that you can cause the word of God to be effective in your life is to intentionally put it to practice. He says, be no, not doers of the word only. Not hearers of the word only, rather, but doers of the word. Be not hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. And can I tell you something? It will not be hard to be a doer of the word if you've learned to contemplate on the word. Because imagine you, after every teaching, revise your notes during the week. Action will flow out of there. One thing we don't emphasize enough in the body of Christ is meditating on the word. Meditation. It's not only yoga guys and Buddha guys that should meditate. As a man in Christ, you should be able to meditate on the things you are being taught about Christ. Your reality, who Christ is and who you are in him. The teachings you learn every time, how you are being indoctrinated. You are supposed to go over it and meditate upon it. This should be your meditation. You should bring out confessions from the things you've learned and be able to meditate upon it and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a city set above a hill. Are you with me? You'll be better doers of the word if you've learned to contemplate and go by your word. This is how to receive the word and make it effective in your life. There is an attitude to the word you must have. It goes beyond just preparing for a meeting. It goes to after the meeting. What do you do with that word? How frequently do you revise your notes? Do you even have a note? 
Are you getting this? This is important. And this is the attitude that every believer should have to the word of God. This is the attitude every believer should have to the word of God. Proper contemplation on the words you hear would lead you to practicing it. This is how you are a doer of the word. This is how you make the word of God effective in your life. You have a part to play. Say, I have a part to play. So we don't just amass knowledge, but we make it effective by putting it to practice. This is important. How many things have you learned in the word of God that you've never put to practice? Since when you've learned that you have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you, have you laid your hands on the sick? How about the teachings of prayer? Have you practiced the things you're learning? This is important. You have to learn to make effective the word of God, to give the word of God room to flourish in your heart. Room to flourish. Room to flourish. I remember in my early days in the university, one of the things you can know me for is that my notes, I go over them from time to time. I'm talking teaching notes, not even um, academics. I'm talking teaching notes. And those of you that have stayed with me for a period or been around me for a period can tell that there is no subject matter that I want to remember that I don't know which of my notes I wrote it. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no subject matter I want to remember that I don't know what note I wrote it. I have, and I like to do this for every set of people that I train in the word of God. I have a lot of them, you know. I have this, which I was using, you know, currently, which I'm using currently. I have this, which I used years before it. And all my notes are not even here. They are like somewhere far away. I have a whole, a whole sum of them. You know what? Just because I like this to be practical and a lot of people, I want it to stick in your head. I will just give you a vivid example of what I'm talking about. And so you know that it's not just by, you know, saying, it's also by practice. Can everybody still hear me? It's also by what? By practice. All right. So I had it behind my monitor and I just want you to, you know, be able to see. So I use this and I'm currently using this. I used this a long time ago. Um, Before this one, I used this. Before it, I used this. I used, one of you got me this one. I'm sure you can remember, right? And so I used this before it. All of these books are filled, by the way. No space in them any longer. I used this before it. I used this when I was in the university. I have two more in my box that I used also in the university. This is how you grow. Are you listening to me? This is how you grow. So, you know, I'm not just talking for you to do it. I also, like, I did it and I still do it. This is how you grow. You can wake me up in the middle of the night and ask me for where I wrote this. I will tell you which of the books. Because I go over the books. Rabonico. <laughs> because I go over the books. I revise my, 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 my notes. I revise them. I revise them. And that's why they would stick. So a good Bible student would learn. Meditate on the word. Revise the word of God. Important. 
to, you would learn to revise the word of God. So what do I do with the word of God? Number one, I receive it with joy. I receive it with joy. Number two, I go over it from time to time and meditate on it. Say, I go over it from time to time and meditate on it. Number three, I put it to action. I put it to action. This is what to do with the word of God. I receive it with joy. I'm always ready. I'm expectant. I anticipate the word. I'm excited. I'm going to be taught the word of God today. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. I'm thinking, ah, pastor is going to teach about this today. Oh my God. That's how I stare up my expectation. What don't I know about it? What do I want to learn about it? Now when I'm in the meeting, I listen patiently. I take notes. I go over it after the meeting. After the meeting, I go over it. During the week, I go over it. I meditate on it. And then after that, I find ways to put it to action. So NLT version explains it very well for you. From verse 22, it says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Verse 23, it says, For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and forget what you look like. Are you listening to how powerful this is? It's telling you that you that you don't put to practice the word of God. You are like a person who sees himself in a mirror, and when he walks away, forgets who he is. So the word of God instructs you on things concerning yourself, but every, every time you don't put it to practice, you step away from where you're supposed to be. It says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, God will bless you for doing it. You'll, you'll be effective in doing it. Are you listening to me? This is important. This is important. This is what the word of God has to do in your life. This is how to make the word of God effective in your life. We all know the simple steps to grow. We used to sing it growing up, right? Read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. You know it, right? Read your Bible, pray every day if you want to grow. How many of you don't know it? Let me know. Some of you grew up in Asia. Some of you grew up in Kutonu. Some of you grew up in... Where did you grow up? Let's know. How many of you know the song? Show me your hand. How many of you, how many of you don't know the song? People like Adeze too, they are saying I know it. Ikoi people. Anyways, don't mind me. I'm just pulling your leg. <laughs> don't mind me. But it's all good. Now, we know the song. Read your Bible, pray every day. You want to grow. Do you know what this tells us? The fact that everybody here knows that song tells us, tells me something. Are you following me? Hello, can you hear me? All right, let me confirm one more time. Can you hear me? All right. 
So I was saying, the fact that you know this song, read your Bible, pray every day, tells me something. It tells me that you can know the secrets of spiritual growth and even have a song that helps you remember it so that you can never forget and yet you are not growing. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have a song. It tells you the secrets to spiritual growth. Read your Bible every day. You have the words. The secrets, and yet you are not growing. It teaches you something about your approach to the word of God. What do you do with the secrets you know? Do you put it to practice? Read your Bible, pray every day. If you want to, it tells you if you want to grow, and you have a song for it, and you probably have not even contemplated. Or meditated to know that, oh, this is what I need to do to grow. That tells you how some of us handle the word, the word of God. So you can know my teachings verbatim and be able to repeat what I'm about to say. Because I've taught it three times. And yet, it can still not have effect in your life. Are you getting this? You can repeat everything I'm about to say. Know where I'm going to next. Know the scriptures I'm going to quote. Just like you know this rhyme, this song. And yet, still not have effect in your life. You've learned about prioritizing prayer. But has it sunk deep into you what it means to prioritize prayer? Or were you just hearing the words and excited? Have you learned? Has it sunk deep? What can stop you from prayer? Have you thought of it before? When I was teaching it, were you thinking about it? Did you take time after? Did you take practical steps to ensure that nothing can stop you from prayer? Open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6 and verse 7. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 7 to 11. Scripture says, All the presidents of the kingdom the governors and princes, the counselors and captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god, that is whosoever shall pray, whosoever shall ask any god anything for 30 days, save the king, that is except the king, shall be cast into the den of lions. So anybody that shall pray to any God apart from the king shall be cast into the den of lions. Verse 8, it says, Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writings that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which alter it not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled. He kneeled three times a day. Prayed. Gave thanks before God as he did at four times. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying. And making supplication before his God. Listen, Daniel knew that the decree had been signed. 
Daniel knew what? That the decree had been signed. He was not ignorant. Yet, he still went ahead to pray like he did aforetime. This means that Daniel had placed a priority on prayer before that decree was given, that that decree could not stop. Are you getting this? He knew the penalty, but he still went ahead. following me. He knew the penalty and he still went ahead to pray. So prayer was so important to Daniel that he risked death so that he could pray. That's priority. You have to see. You have to get the image of what I'm showing you here. He must have had an image that I would rather die than not pray. <laughs> So, I can't live without praying, so you might as well just kill me. Get to what I'm saying? This is how much Daniel esteemed prayer. Have you esteemed play, prayer in such a way that, that you understand that regardless of what happens, you will still pray? Have you made a mental note of it? Have you meditated on what you've learned about prayer? That you've been able to say, I place myself in, the, in this place. Nothing should be able to stop me from praying. Not just that you heard the word. You, you, you have a mental note. You've, you, you've meditated on the word. You've made the decision in your heart. You've put it to practice. You've agreed with yourself. You've prayed on it. That nothing, I prioritize prayer so much so, that nothing would be able to come before me and God in prayer, even if it is a decree. For some of us, things like this will catch us on our way. So when he catches you unaware, you start looking for how to do your prayer. Listen, the reason why you did not catch Daniel unaware is because he had it. He says that's what he had been doing at four times. So he had a consistent structure of prayer that nothing could shake. So when the decree came, he just continued. He just continued. Three times a day he prayed. Three came, he still opened his window towards Jerusalem and he still prayed three times. Because he has set his mind that nothing will stop me from this. My communication with God is so important that nothing in this world will stop me from it. That's the priority that Daniel set on prayer. Will prayer be important for you that regardless of what you face, you still find time to pray? Regardless of the community you are, regardless of where you travel to, you still find time to pray? Regardless of how busy your schedule gets, you still find time to pray? of how, how spiritually dry in quotes you get, where you don't feel like it. Have you still set your mind that you will pray? Listen, if you learn what I'm teaching you, you would have less times of inconsistency in God. Are you following me? This is important. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. It says, Now it came to pass, as they went, he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha 
received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40, it says, But Martha was converted serving came to him and said lord does thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone bid her therefore that she should help me you know you know <laughs> this gives you an idea of of those those you know elder brothers and sisters that their younger brothers are watching <laughs> tv in the sitting room and they are like they cannot tell because they know that that person will say, Daddy, can't you just tell him? He's watching TV there. You, you know, that kind, of, that kind of mind was what Martha was doing. It was what Martha was doing. And Martha said, bid her therefore that she should help me. But Jesus' response will shock you. Jesus responded and said unto her, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Listen, what Martha did was good. But when it comes to the order of importance, what Mary did was better. Did you hear what I just said? What Martha did was good. But in the order of importance, what Mary did was what? was more important. It was better. Are you with me? You can take it as that Mary maintained a high focus. Posture. Devotion all through. Whereas Martha did every other thing. You have to understand what I'm teaching you. You have to understand what I'm teaching you. What I'm teaching you is that the other things that will take your time from prayer are not things that are rubbish. They are actually things that are important. But your priorities have to be clear. That's what I'm teaching you. I'm teaching you that there will be important things. What Martha did was important. Are you getting it? What Martha was doing, what, what Martha was doing was important. But what Mary was doing in the order of importance ranks higher than what Martha was doing. So you have to prioritize it. So when you do the comparison, don't compare your prayer time with things that are less important. There are things that are important that you still have to rank prayer above. The things that will compete with your time for prayer are not rubbish things. They are actually going to be good things. But like Mary and Martha's story, you're going to have to prioritize. You're going to have to what? Prioritize. Prioritize prayer. Over every other thing. You see a sense of priority in Mary. Same sense of priority you see in Daniel. We see the same sense of priority in Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Have you encountered those people that make you feel like you are foolish for chasing after God in the university? They will tell you what your parents send you to school to do. Is it to serve God or to read your books? Is education important? Yes. 
in the order of priorities, which ranks more, my prayer life. And this does not mean you will not focus in those other things because you are a child of God. You are excellent. So you'll be excellent across board. Are you getting this? This is important. If you've gone through it, I went through it as well. I went through it as well. Now, all the people that laughed at me and my friends when we were in school, now they are chasing after God, trying to. But we have a God that is merciful, so all of us will be, be come together as children. If it was by works, well... people will make you feel like that. I remember my project supervisor, a believer. This story just breaks my heart every time. A believer who were doing projects. And then there was supposed to be a meeting that I, I we, we, at the time, I had um, had a, a, a union, a communication with the student association in the university at that time. And um, one of my friends, you know, was the Senate president of the association at the time. And so together we planned on doing a, a program in the university, a Christian program using the, um, the student, the union's um, influence and funding. And so we planned the program and then we got some people to partner with us, a big ministry outside the university. You know, I think the, their name used to be El Baraka or something like that. So we got them to partner with us. So they brought their sound, they brought big stage, everything. It was going to be a, a wonderful meeting, you know, and I was ready. Oh my God, I was ready for that meeting. And we had invited all of the people from outside, you know, and they came. And so I was there with my tie, my waistcoat, you know, those of you that know how I wear my waistcoat, I like waistcoats sometimes. You know, my waistcoat, my tie. I used to wear flower ties in school then. White shirts, nice trousers, brogues, ready for the meeting. You know, and we were there. And all of a sudden, I saw him and he came. And he greeted everybody. Apparently, because he's a big member of the community. He knows all the people I was with. He knew about the program. And so, he saw me and he greeted me and we greeted everybody and everything. And then all of a sudden, he looks at me and says, meet me in my office. We have project meeting. And I'm like, after greeting all these spiritual people, seeing me on style, with everything, cack up like this, this big stage, thousands of souls ready to be blessed. Actually, so he's the assistant to my actual project supervisor. He was a master's or PhD student at the time. Do you understand? So it shouldn't be a big of a force. He was a big lecturer now, fine. But you are a guy. We used to go for ministrations together. And then he says, meet me in my office. And then I leave the place. I go to his office. Guys, I sat down in that office three hours doing nothing. And then he let us go after three hours. If not because the God we serve is a God of love, I will call down thunder. <laughs> like, just what I'm saying. Like it makes me question: Where is your priority? Where is your priority, believer like me. Get all of that to say this: What will drag your time from God? Would not be things that are less important. There will be things that are important, but when it comes to the order of priority, your prayer, your, your prayer, your devotion to God has to rank higher. Are you getting this? 
He has to what? He has to rank higher. He has to rank higher. We see this sense of priority in Jesus. As a believer, we should see this sense of priority in you. Look at Jesus. Listen, if anybody should pray, Jesus that should not pray. He's God in flesh. Anybody should say, I don't need to pray. It should be Jesus. But yet, there is no way you will read about Jesus or know about Jesus and not know that he was a man of prayer. And you need to resemble your father. If your father, being God in flesh, still prayed, was known as a man of prayer, then you have to be known as a man and a woman of prayer. Are you getting this? You have to look like your father. Jesus prioritized prayer. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 12, Scripture says, It came to pass in those days. He went forth into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer. So Jesus prayed all night. maximize the time when no one was around to pray. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 35, Scripture says, And in the morning, rising up a great while before day. So look at Jesus. You cannot wake up early. Your Savior and Messiah woke up a while before people wake up. That is, before people would wake up. To do what? To pray. He went out and departed into a solitary place. And there he prayed. So Jesus maximized early hours of the day, secluded himself to prayer. It must have been that he prioritized prayer, to wake up before everybody just to pray. Are you with me? Some of you go for NYSC. This is what you are going to have to do. I remember my service days. It will be weird to pray around people. So I'll wake up earlier. Go inside the bush. And I rattle in tongues. By the time they are waking up, I'm going to have my bath. Are you with me? That's how you treat something you prioritize. You can wake up before everybody to read. When people wake up, they say, Alpha, you don't read. They say, No, I never read, though. Now God, go help us for this exam. But prayer, you cannot wake up before everybody. I don't know what human beings gain in line that they've not read. <laughs> I don't know what human beings gain in line that they've not read. Jesus prioritized it. Later, as when everybody has slept, he continued. Before they woke up, he prayed. Listen, before every major event in Jesus' life, he prayed. In Mark that I read to you, he prayed. That was before he chose his disciples. Before every major event, he prayed. Before his ministry, he prayed. He fasted, he prayed. Are you getting this? John chapter 6 and verse 15 says, When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him away by force to make him king, he departed again into a mountain himself, alone. Not random. It was the consistent life of Jesus. He prayed. Look at the early church. Acts chapter 1 and verse 13. Acts chapter 1 and verse 13. 
He says, and when they were coming, they went up into an upper room where aboard both Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon Zealot, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord, doing what? In prayer. Supplications with the women, Mary, the, mo- the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. You have to understand that when Jesus gave them instruction, he gave them instruction to wait. When they got there, they knew what to do. They prayed. Are you listening to me? They knew what to do. They prayed. 46. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So they continued daily with one accord in the temple. It was a daily affair. They prayed daily. Please, are you getting what I'm saying? Is this teaching striking a chord in your heart? It was a daily affair. They prayed daily. They prayed what? Daily. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. All right. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, Scripture says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Being the ninth hour. So listen, another thing to learn. After learning that yes, they prayed. Yes, they prayed daily. Is that they had an hour of prayer. So meaning it was structured. Are you getting this? It was structured. They had an hour of prayer. They had an hour of prayer. Meaning they did not leave it to chance. They had a structure to their prayer. And so Jesus We see Jesus. He prayed long prayers. He prayed short prayers. The early church had a time of prayer. They had an altar of prayer. I didn't tell you the topic before. The topic is how to build a prayer altar. How to build a prayer altar. And so the same way you don't, you know, you don't leave important things to chance. The early church did not leave their prayer to chance. They had a prayer hour. So I'll give you a few practical steps to take when it comes to prayer. Number one, have a place of prayer. What did I say? Have a place of prayer. Have a place that you you go to to pray. If it's a prayer walk, have a spot. Have a spot in your house. Have a spot in your room. It's just like walking out. You have a place in your house where you just, you know, and those are people that work out, like Mofet, Obey, like me, we that we work out, you know. Um, yeah, DKMC, all of us that work out. Have a place of prayer. Just the same way you have a place to work out. People like Alex that we that have been carrying how many kg for, you know. Who is that? <laughs> Who are you, sir? Anyways, have a place. Have a place. Told you about a man. Told you about a man who prayed at his port. And after a while, they could see the print of his breath on the wall. That's because he had a place. You can tell his consistency because he went to that place. It will help you to have a place. 
Not because you want to put your bread on the wall. You don't go and paint the wall black and say, see, I see my bread, sir. No. But having a place will help you. You just know where to go when you want to pray. Take prayer walks. So it's not just scattered. This is my path if I want to pray. If I walk from... Listen, there's a way you can have a place of prayer that you know that if you walk from here to here, you have spent one hour praying. You know, if you go to Redeem Camp, if you go round once, that's almost an hour, it's about 45 minutes. If you go the second time, you know, that you've gone at least two hours. So have a place in your house. It's because you've been doing it that you know that when I walk from this bus stop to that bus stop to that, or even in school, wherever, I've spent two hours. So I would do this three times. That's having a place of prayer. Or in your room, have a corner, have a place. This is important. It will help you put structure to it. Number two, have a time of prayer. Early church had times of prayer. Don't leave it to chance. Did you hear that? The same way you set alarm to read your book, set alarm to pray. Not leaving prayer to chance is setting time. By 10 o'clock every day, My alarm rings. Are you you with me, everybody? And even though I've moved away from, you know, praying at 10 o'clock, I moved to a different time. But 10 o'clock every day, at least when I was using this time, because I set a structure, you know, I moved to an earlier time. But at 10 o'clock today, and I want to read it out to you. Let me just go to my clock. At 10 o'clock every day, my phone rings and my morning alarm, 10 o'clock a.m., says, your life hangs on this. You better pray. 10 o'clock. At 10, 10, no, 10 o'clock is get to pray. 10, 10 is your life hangs on this. You better pray. So in case I did not answer at 10 o'clock, I have 10, 10. That's what somebody that wants, that wants to set. are you with me? That is not leaving things to chance will do. At 10, 15 or 10, 20, you can set another one and say, my guy, anybody will no pray, go faint. I agree. You can set it. 10 p.m., which is 22. Which is 22. It says devotion. 22, 10. says pray, return to the basics. That's, what, that's the alarm I set. Pray, return to the basics. Don't leave it to chance. Say, I will not leave it to chance. Don't leave it to chance. Have a time of prayer. Have an hour of prayer. This time, no matter what happens, come what may, I shall pray. This will help you. Times when you don't feel like praying, if you have a structure for prayer, you will still pray. Do you get? Because you shall know you pray. If you like, feel like it. If you like, don't feel like it. Prayer is not about feeling like it. You will still pray. Because you set that time. Even if it is just to sit down in the place of prayer and do shamanamanamana, you shall pray the prayer. Because you have a place of prayer and you have an hour of prayer. Are you getting this? Number three. Have a plan. Have a plan. Have a plan. 
Are you with me? Have a what? Plan. Don't just enter. You have to prepare. I know what I'm going to, you know, edify myself, stir up myself, talk, pray about this, ask God for this. Have a plan. Set things every day at this time or every Wednesday. I want to pray for the Catalyst community. Every Tuesday, I want to pray for my family. Are you getting this? Have a plan. Set plans. I want to pray at least 15 minutes every day for this. Have a plan. Are you with me? Have a plan. Set plans. I want to pray for I want to pray about my future. Okay, I must pray about my future every Wednesday. I must give at least 30 minutes to praying about it every Wednesday. By the time you pray every Wednesday about something, uh-uh, it will move in the spirit. Angels we know, they would have heard it enough that they will act on it. Are you getting this? When you when you impress something in the spirit out of consistency, it bets results. Are you with me? It is power producing. It is power producing. Don't leave it to chance. Have a plan. Number four, have a prayer partner. All these basic things that we used to hear when we were growing up, it helps. Have a prayer partner. There are times when you are weak and you don't feel like praying. Who go call you by? Who go wake you up? Who go stir you up by if you don't get prayer partner? Find somebody that will spoil you up to better. Find somebody that will say, I beg. Let's not do one hour. Let's do two. He said, brother, shall we travel? That, that's the kind of friend we should see with you. Have that kind of prayer partner. Spoil each other. Let it be Friday night after a week. Let somebody just text you and say, Adelphos, shall we travel a little further? Yeah, you do till 5 a.m. That's the kind of prayer partner you should have. <laughs> Are you getting me? Have a prayer partner. It will help both of you. Do you understand? It will help both of you. Do you know the funny thing? Me, I even practice this thing more than some of you people. I have prayer patterns, but apart from that, sometimes if I just wake up and I call any of you and I pray with you, like play like play, you are my prayer partner for that moment. I'm praying. You think I pray for you? Some of you come here, tell me to give you word. I'm praying my prayer too. Uh, with the year, with the see, God will tell me something about you. Do you get? Have a prayer partner. Have a prayer partner. Let it be set in stone. Do you hear what I said? Let it be what? Let it be set in stone. Like, and when you pick a prayer partner, don't do it. Don't leave it to uh, you. See, you are my prayer partner. See, if you are choosing babe, Mm-mm. what are the times of prayer? Shire, sorry, that one hits you. I'm sorry. What are the times of prayer that you'll be praying with your prayer partners? When are you going to be praying? You are not doing picking here. I I I want you. <laughs> when you pick prayer partner, what time are we going to pray? What times are you praying with your prayer partner? So that when you are weak, you know who to call and say, Whoa, I don't feel like praying. Oh, are you with me? So have a what? Have a prayer partner. It will help you. Have a prayer partner. 
have a prayer partner. There was a time I was praying with one of my friends. I think it's him that just joined this meeting. He used to disguise when he joined this meeting. And we used to pray. I think we used to pray. It was short anyways. I think it was 15 or 20 minutes. I think every day. You can do longer. You can pray with your partner, your prayer partner, one hour. Maybe twice in a week or three times in a week. It will help you so that the times when you are down, you have somebody that can what? Stir you up. Not that all the friends around you, the only friends you have, you are the one that is helping all of them. You self. Are you getting this? Have a prayer partner. Someone that can say, brother, shall we prevail? We want to. I mean, a venom. That's what I'm talking about. And you can have more than one. You can have more than one. Are you getting me? But make sure that the prayer partner, this thing is not just like as if we are choosing best friend here. What is the time of prayer? When are we going to be praying? Are you with me? Have, have you just, have you woken up with a burden before for the nation? A burden for maybe people on Catalyst and you just called your friend and just say, let's pray. Can we pray? I have a burden in my heart. Can I tell you something? You can have personal prayer points and still pray with your prayer partner. Have you woken up and just like, I'm really scared about my academics. Can we pray together about it? If you like, have group of prayer. Just make sure you're praying. Are you with me? Just make sure you're praying. Number five. And this can be optional. Get a prayer playlist. It helps. Me personally, there are two sides of my prayer. Sometimes I don't like using songs. Let's do ragada. <laughs> Let's go. But sometimes songs carry me like a wave. So I use songs too. So it depends. It depends. I don't say chant, but it depends. I say songs. Mm-hmm. But chants can be a part of it. But don't just go and be looking for chants up and down. Some things are not defined. So be careful what you listen to as well. But it depends. So, get a playlist. I've shared a prayer playlist for you guys before here on Catalyst, right? So get a prayer playlist. I think I'll share the link again. For those of you that have iOS, heaven is for you. For those of you that have Android, don't know your story, but the prayer playlist is on Apple Music, so... (laughs) Don't mind me, I'm kidding. (laughs) So, get a prayer playlist. I sent um, a prayer companion as well. It can help you. How many of you have used that prayer companion? All right. How was it for you? Get prayer companions like that. It will help you. It will stir you up. It will stir you up. Have a playlist. Arranged. Play it. Pray. It will help, really. It's just a practical example, right? It's not like there's a scripture that says get the prayer playlist. It's just a practical you know, example that will help you, right? Also, posture. I've taught you this before. Posture. And then lastly, join prayer meetings. What did I say? Join prayer meetings. This would help you a whole lot. Joining prayer meetings will help you a whole lot. 